Welcome to the Urbanist Agenda, the podcast that loves cities real and imaginary. This is Jason from Not Just Bikes, and I'm joined today by Diana from Cities by Diana. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. So we were both on the early access for City Skylines 2. Yeah. And unfortunately, I have not had enough of a chance to play it as I would like. I injured my right arm and been trying to play with my left hand, but it's just not working. (laughs) So, but I've been watching a lot of content about it and your content as well. I've been watching my son play it and it got me thinking. And especially when I saw a comment from you in the City Skylines 2 Early Access Discord, where you said, if you've got any traffic issues in City Skylines 2, it's basically solved by widening lanes. And that got me thinking, these cities games, they're kind of interesting, right? Yeah. They're good fun. I mean, I know, like, <laughs> you obviously love this game. That's very clear in all of your content. But they can be kind of misleading sometimes, right? So yes. I wanted to talk about that, as well as what your thoughts were on City Skylines too. So maybe we could just get started here with like, okay, City Skylines 2 just came out. What are your thoughts on it after now having a couple of months to play the early access and then the final game? I have mixed feelings just to be upfront. And I've been upfront with the audience that's on my channel and in all of my videos, I've been upfront that I have mixed feelings on the game. Yeah. From a lot of perspectives. I mean, I kind of played the first one in sort of, I don't play it like a gamer. Like, and that's right. the thing I think with, I've done a lot of content around the first game where I do play the game and show people how to play the game. Yeah. But the way that I've always played it is more from like, this is a, platform with which to create a sort of digital art, which from that perspective of how I played the first game, the second game is terrible at that. <laughs> Just right. 100% cannot do that yet. Well, I noticed, for example, that when you try to place trees, they plant them as saplings, yes. which is like nice idea in the sort of like game mechanics. Like if you're going to farm trees or something like that, Maybe not so nice if you're just trying to make something that looks nice though, right? Exactly, exactly. And that's something it's like, it's been a kind of divisive issue amongst creators and players of the game. That's like, some people really like it. And I do like it for like that realism. Like if you're going for a simulation, it's good. It's fun. It's cool. It does create sort of like a challenge with like forestry where, oh, you need these resources. You can't just spam down a thousand trees and get unlimited forestry. Like you have to wait. And that makes sense. But it is from like a perspective of like landscaping, like, yeah, it's kind of, I get it. Like, I understand. But also for me, I'm just like, I want instant gratification. <laughs> so, Well, yeah. And I think it is interesting because this obviously is a video game at the end of the day. Yeah. But certainly City Skylines 1 was more than a video game. It was a thing. I wouldn't say it was a movement, but it was certainly a thing that was used in all different ways. I mean, if you look at, for example, the YouTube channel Do Not Eat, how he explained fairly complex urban planning concepts through city skylines, right? And so that was super interesting. You saw that kind of stuff on there. And I think the point is that this is a game that has a very, very wide audience. Obviously, gamers will be interested in it as a video game. But it encapsulates like every type of city enthusiast as well, which makes it different. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, I saw... I was lurking in a Facebook group about City Skylines, and I saw some people talk about my channel. Uh-oh. And one of the comments I thought was hilarious, it was all positive, but one of the comments I thought was hilarious was like, she plays this game like it's The Sims. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that a problem? Like, isn't it no, kind it was, of like It was the a Sims? compliment. It was a compliment. Oh, I see. Oh, the, I see. I see. 
Oh, that's funny. It was just like the way that like certain aspects of my channel were for a long time was using it as like this platform for like sort of semi-cinematic storytelling, talking about like history or just telling a random story about random people that I made up. So like I could see where they got that from. And I love that about the first game is there was so much you could do with it. Just when it came to like, you could just play it as a game. You could use it as a traffic simulator to solve puzzles. And when I first got that game, that's all I did for a long time was I would build a city just big enough to where the traffic would get crazy. And then I would try to fix it with different methods, whether it was adding lanes or fixing public transit or whatever, like a lot of roundabouts and things like that. Exactly. Yeah, actually, that was one of my major complaints about the first game. I did play it. Actually, I played it a lot on Switch originally, so I didn't have mods, which was limiting at times. Mm -hmm. But one of my complaints of the first game was that no matter what you did, every game turned into a traffic management simulator. It did. And then, you know, that's where you start watching great channel Biffa plays indie Mm -hmm. games, right? I mean, everybody ends up watching Biffa (laughs) because Biffa solves traffic. That's like he's got a major theme across his channel where he solves people's traffic congestion problems. But that did annoy me because I was kind of like, I just want to make a cool city. And back then they didn't have the pedestrians and plazas DLC. So you couldn't make pedestrianized areas. And it was very North American. It had very, it had Euclidean zoning that was extremely strict and and all that kind of thing. So that kind of annoyed me. And eventually I lost interest in it. But yeah, some of that's been addressed in the new game, right? Kind of, I would say. Kind Kind of. of. There's mixed-use zoning, which is really cool. Yes, that was nice to see. They broke down the demand by density, although that's kind of broken, I would say, because, like, a lot of it, like, in the background, the density demand is sort of tied to education levels, which I think is interesting. Right, and there's also a bizarre thing where you can tax people based on their education, yeah. which is weird. That is just yeah. a weird way to implement that. Like, I guess they're kind of implementing it as saying people who are more educated earn more so we should tax them more or something but it's a very bizarre way to implement it in the game yeah it is it seems like that's probably something that's going to be modded out right that some modder is going to come in and say let's change this to wealth tax like doing like a progressive income tax or something right and i think maybe i don't remember if the original game did that no i think i think everyone was just taxed equally in the yeah. originals yeah i'm not sure about SimCity. i think it was like sim city 4 might have done that mm. i don't know i was a kid when sim city 4 like i was like maybe i think i was a teenager when it came out so i was a kid when the first sim city came out so there. oh i was a little <laughs> kid when the first sim city was i played the first sim city on super nintendo when it was already kind of old but i was still a kid right I love the first Sin City. I played it on PC. I played the heck out of that game. It was so much fun. Yeah, I actually made a video where I played the first Sin City not that long ago. <sighs> I would love to go back to it, actually. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I found this website that does like an emulator of the Super Nintendo version. And it was like, oh, okay. just like I remembered. I was like, oh my God, this is so good. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. I love that. So yeah, so the CS2 finally has a mixed use zoning, which is so good to see, really good to see. It does have some really weird stuff about zoning. Maybe we can talk about zoning for a little bit here because, well, for one, the high density commercial is a bizarre thing. Like that's not really something that exists outside of like a few areas of Hong Kong and Shenzhen. It's a bizarre kind of thing to include in the game. For anybody that hasn't played, a high density commercial is effectively like 
skyscrapers that are a shop? Yeah, kind of. I think at least from what I've seen, like from playing it, when I zone those out, they sort of come in in this like not quite mid-rise, but not quite high-rise. Like they come in at that like 12-story kind of size. Like, yeah, I mean, I think when they level up, they do become kind of skyscrapers, but not quite. Right. You typically see like high density, at least like in North America, it's going to be like, maybe a multi-story mall that's like five stories. I'm thinking like the old Westfield Mall in San Francisco or something like that. I'm not thinking of a skyscraper. That's more office. That's mixed use. There's probably shops on the bottom and residents up top and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, it is interesting though. It makes for some very bizarre cities that have like these sort of like a whole line of six-story shops. And the game itself is a bit weird. Sometimes it puts like a single convenience store in there so that it's like five stories of convenience store, which would be an interesting thing in real life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd go to a five-story <laughs> convenience store. Yeah, for sure. Can you imagine what kind of cool snacks they would have there? <laughs> My favorite is, I've seen it on Reddit, and I've actually had it happen to me too, is you create a pedestrian road. You zone commercial on it, and a gas station will spawn <laughs> on a pedestrian road. Well, this is where I kind of want to talk about this a few times through this conversation. There's some things that city builders do that kind of bug me because, I mean, cities are very car-centric generally in the world. Cars have a special position in almost every city, really, a privileged position. And I feel like some of these city builders, I wish they would do something to sort of prevent that, to sort of give you the option to really make truly pedestrianized cities. I know you tried this in CS2, and we can talk about that because I watched your video about it. But in some ways, they also make it worse, right? Like, they almost, like, throw extra car culture in there, or they even hide some of the negatives of car culture. Obviously, cars do present a lot of negative externalities to cities. And I feel like the city builders kind of just brush around that in order to keep it fun like a game, right? Yeah. And so I think your example of the gas station popping up in a pedestrian area is like, gas stations are so necessary, they have to be there that it's going to pop up everywhere, even on a pedestrian road. Yeah, yeah. And it's hilarious. I'm like, what? And that's something like in the first game that like I used to really like to do. And some people would say, oh, your builds are way too American. I'm like, well, first of all, that's where I'm from. That's what I'm going to notice. But second of all, the whole point of some of the stuff that I was making was to like show like, oh, how absurd is this that this is a gigantic parking lot the size of a Walmart, the same size, like or bigger. Like, how absurd is this? Like, and that was something that like, I tried to like do and then, oh yeah, I would download these assets that were like branded, like real life looking assets to further like sort of put in that like sense of place. Like this is exactly what you would see in a North American city. Right. Gas station on two corners of a two six lane roads meeting and stuff like that, where it's like, that's what you'll see. You're not going to see a gas station on a pedestrian road. Right. (laughs) But I feel like, and it is interesting that in CS1, you can download all of the assets because that was, you know, a big part of it was the mods and the assets and the workshop and all that kind of thing. That is something that is not available yet on CS2. Like you can't even mod it, you can't download anything right now, which, I mean, we can get to whether this game was put out a little earlier than it should have been in a bit. But I think one of the things that has always bugged me about the city games is, for example, parking lots where they're just not realistically sized. Like if you look at, an aerial view, if you go to, you know, Google satellite view or something, and you look at a typical Canadian or American city, 
Parking lots are a huge part of the land, right? Like most of it, in fact. In suburban areas, certainly there's more parking lot and access to parking lot than there is building. And that's just not shown in the city builders. No, it's not. And in the first game, there were mods that you could actually create that. Parking lot roads, it was what it was called. Right. And there was another one called big parking lots, where you can do that. But yeah, in the first game, like actual just dedicated parking lots did not come until like last year. There just weren't them. Every asset had like a few spaces on it. And even that's not realistic. Like we're seeing like in this new one, if you build any city style, whether it's US or European, almost every asset has like these like five stall parking spaces on them in like the back or in the front or you have to connect the road to the parking lot or else it doesn't function. It's like you have no choice whether or not to even include them. Yeah, I noticed that. And there are some of these like very European looking buildings and then they'll have these very American looking parking lots around them, which is also kind of strange. Although it's never, even in this new game, it's never as much parking as there would actually be in a building of that type in America. And I know like there's the famous quote that's pulled out of an article about the developers of SimCity 4, this is way back when now, who are saying that they wanted to make the cities more accurate and they were looking at real cities from satellite views. But they realized that the parking lots were so big that it would just make the game ugly. So they just said, oh, all parking lots are underground and just sort of swept that under the rug. And I think that's one of the things that kind of bothers me about this game is that, like I said, they really hide the negative parts of car infrastructure on real cities. And I think that has a negative effect in general of people playing this game, people who aren't city enthusiasts or young people who are just learning this stuff they won't understand those negative aspects of car culture. And just one example in CS1 was the whole idea of the pocket cars, right? Yeah. People drive there and then they just, what, put the car in their pocket. Yeah, they just pull it out. A lot of times they'll get off the train station. That's the big one. They get off the train station. As soon as they get off, they walk to the sidewalk, they turn into a car and drive away. Right. They don't walk to their car that they've parked at the train station. Right. (laughs) And you never need to deal with the fact that, like, the train station doesn't have enough car parking spaces for everyone to do that, right? They just say, oh, yeah, they have a car in their pocket and they pop it out. And I think, again, this just, maybe I get too worked up about this, but this just really bugs me. I just feel like you've got this simulator that has the opportunity to really show, like, what things work and what things don't work and what these negative externalities are for cities. And they just kind of say, eh, it's a video game. And a lot of people want that. A lot of people just want a game. Of course. I would say for the first game, about half the audience was on console. I mean, I have like three times as many followers on TikTok as I do on YouTube. And -hmm. on TikTok, a lot of people will be like, you used mods, I can't do that on console. And it's like so many people are doing console and they're just wanting to play a game to make something to beat it. Yeah. And a lot of people, that's what they want to do. They don't care about the realism or they do, but like to an extent. And so I think that there's a lot of different audiences for it. But I agree. I do think that it shows and it kind of puts in people's minds an unrealistic idea of like, what is this? And even when I did the car-free city, they're like, well, we have cars in Europe. I'm like, I know. But this is just like a thought experiment. Right. Because a lot of people will say, why can't I build a European city with no cars? And it's like, here you go. (laughs) You can, but it's very difficult. (laughs) Actually, I watched your video about that. It was really interesting. And I'd like you to talk a little bit about what your experiences were like in trying to make a car-free city in CS2. Because for example, you found that cars would just drive on the pedestrian road sometimes. Yeah. 
So tell me a little bit about like what it was like, what the challenges you had trying to make that in CS2. Yeah, first of all, I had to start the game with everything unlocked if I wanted to do it from scratch. Right. I could have worked up to the milestones, but I would have had to build a car-centric town right. before I could even unlock public transit, before I could even unlock like trains and trams and all of that, buses, anything like that. There's no bikes in the game, so you just... Yeah. They'll come, but it's just like... That was amazing to me that like, there's just no bicycles at all. They're just not yeah. there. And it does speak again to this, like how these city builder games are so car centric, like even more car centric than actual cities are in the fact that, for example, like you said, you start with cars. You got all the cars you want right at the start, but then you got to unlock trams. You got to unlock trains and there are no bikes. Yeah. And even the thing is that people are like, oh, that's so American. But even in the US, most towns like in the West were started as a railroad stop. Yes. They were started as a train station where that train station grew around a town that didn't have cars that was before cars were invented 100, 200 years ago, however long ago, you know, and people walked, took their horse or they rode a bike or they took the local trolleys the trams, the, you know, light rail, whatever it is. Yeah. And this is a common myth that we as the creators of urban content online hear all the time, which is people from the US or Canada will say, oh, you know, well, these European cities were built before the car, but American cities were built for cars. And it's really not true because there's actually very, very few cities in the US that were founded after cars existed. Phoenix, Arizona being one of the most notable ones. But like you said, you're absolutely correct. These towns were a train station. Then there was stuff around the train station within walking distance. And then as it went bigger, they had trolleys that went out to the neighborhoods that were also walkable without cars. And every single city in the U.S. started this way. Like I remember even when I was talking to Chuck from Strong Towns, who's from Brainerd, Minnesota, that has basically a population of nothing. And they had a trolley back in the day. They had a train station and a trolley. Every place did. And... Again, you know, city builders saying the only way to start a city is with cars also kind of reinforces that myth, right? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And that's the thing, too, is if you look at the layouts of a lot of towns from west of the Mississippi, even further east sometimes, but if you look at a little layout of those towns in the U.S. and Canada, you can tell, like, the difference between the old section of town and the new section of town. Because mm -hmm. the old section of town almost always mirrors and parallels the railroad tracks. Right. And then everything around it usually goes in different directions, whether it's due north or however that is, especially West Coast, like from Vancouver all the way down, even into Mexico, it's like that. Like the rail line, center of town, all of it. Right. And it's like that was started because of the trains and those streets there were not cars at the time, or if they were, maybe like a few people had cars, but most people walked or took the train. Right. And so in this game that you were trying, you first had to unlock everything so that you yeah. could get even access to public transit. And yeah. what did you find next? So pedestrian roads were part of it. They came in the beginning anyway. So I could right. put pedestrian roads no matter what. Yeah. That wasn't a problem. But what I did find was you still started with a highway exit. Right. First thing is an exit off the highway. And there was an interchange there. And there were some maps where you do just start with like a two-lane road. And this is the same thing that was present in in the first game, too. Effectively, yeah. you just start with a highway interchange and then you go. Yes. And it, at least in the first game, there was a map editor. 
And people made maps where you started on a two-lane road and there was a train track. Right. And most of the maps don't even have train tracks in the starting square. You have to unlock other squares to even get to the train tracks. Right. And this one was like that. The other thing that I noticed, I wanted the city to kind of resemble like Amsterdam or something, like have like canals and stuff. Yeah. Because I just thought, oh, that would look cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that was pretty cool. Although, boy, did it look like it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. And the thing was, it didn't have to be as much work as I made it. Like, admittedly, like, I'm still learning the game. I was still learning the game. I hadn't watched a lot of other creators because I'd been so busy working on my content. Right. But it was a little easier than I made it out to be because I did it the hard way. I've discovered other ways to get those sort of walls. It's still hard. There's still like a lot you have to do. You still have to do a lot of terraforming and stuff to make it work. But I did it the hard way. The other thing is the map itself, where the train lines were and the train tracks were, were at such unrealistic slopes that I didn't know anything about until I watched some video that a city's creator called Ecarus, I believe is how he pronounces it. Hmm. He made on like how to make realistic train lines. And I'll go off on a tangent here. Basically, I had made a couple of videos where it was like a first person ride on a metro train or a tram or something. Right. And somebody had told me that the slopes were a little off. Like they, they weren't realistic for a train, that a train couldn't right. go up there. So I watched this video by Akuris where he kind of goes over like, this is the realistic way to make curves and slopes and stuff. So when I got into Cities 2, I remembered he said that like a train cannot go at a grade greater than four percent and most of the time it needs to be below three percent or something like that yeah. i don't remember the exact yeah and often they keep them at one percent exactly the train lines on that map were going at nine percent all right that were just regularly placed and i was like no i want to try to keep this as realistic as possible i couldn't get it better than like five percent and i had to go over like it was weird and then i had to make like a special little pad on a hill for the train station and then that's where like the idea for like, oh, well, let's put this castle here to make it look like it was like an outpost and like, right, in, like right. medieval times. And then, yeah, I started zoning and I put in some row houses and then the way the zoning in the game works, like it's just so bad. It like prioritizes certain roads and it just didn't look good. And I had to do a lot of fiddling with it. The European theme also doesn't look, it looks like modern Europe, but like European cities, like have old centers like they're not mm -hmm. going to all mm -hmm. look like they were built 50 years ago and then a lot of the buildings that came in like the higher density just looked like american skyscrapers like right. there's no differentiation and the europe and u.s are the only things you can do like or european and north american and the european looks like central europe somebody told me the city looked like germany <laughs> <laughs> which i don't know i've been to berlin once and you know what it's close enough <laughs> well yeah there were certainly Parts of Germany that were rebuilt after the war to be very modernist. Yeah. Their vision of the future, which usually included lots of cars. Yeah. And a lot of concrete. Yeah. The other thing, I had to put the utilities off on their own separate island connected to a road, connected to the highway. Right, right. The problem was the garbage wasn't coming in and I was having trouble. So I connected the garbage up to a road and connected that road to the pedestrian roads. So hopefully the garbage trucks could drive on the pedestrian roads. Right. They did. But once I did that, cars started coming because I had to connect it to the highway as well. Right. And when I connected it to the highway, that's when cars started coming in from the highway and people started bringing their cars in. Yeah. I remember that from your video. I was like, you basically had to decide, do I want garbage pickup <laughs> and cars yeah. or do I want pedestrianized only and garbage piling up everywhere? Yeah. 
And the way I could have mitigated it maybe was if I just put the garbage dump on a pedestrian road in the middle of town. But I didn't want to do that. (laughs) Industry was another thing. The industry, like somebody recommended to like, oh, maybe put the industry in its own area with cars. I was like, yeah, that's actually what I would do if I was building like, oh, a pedestrianized city. You would have like a pedestrian core and then the outer areas would be open to vehicles, that'd be more realistic. But I just wanted to make something for kind of a thought experiment. Right. It is bizarre to me that the game lets cars drive on pedestrian roads. Like, but... Oh, yeah. That's strange. That was not a problem in the first game with the plazas and promenades DLC. True, yeah. They just did not. Never an issue. But they had a kind of weird way of handling it where they had, like, service points that, like, deliveries and garbage would come and... It was not that realistic. Yeah, so the service points had to be connected to roads and then on the other side could be the pedestrian thing and the cars would just come to the service point and then leave. And then only emergency services would drive on the pedestrian roads. Right. I mean, that feels like a bug to me, but I mean, I think it's... This game in general has a lot of quirks and bugs at this point in time, so (laughs) that's kind of not surprising. So, I mean, it was an interesting challenge. Obviously, you were trying to take it to an extreme of like a totally pedestrianized city and the game just wasn't having it. But even to a more realistic level, it's still quite difficult to do that in the new game. And certainly it doesn't help that there's no bicycles. Yeah, it is. It is difficult to do. It's not impossible to a realistic level. Yeah, you could. But if there's no other route for cars to drive, cars will take that route. Right. If it's the fastest, most comfortable route, cars will take it. Which is kind of like the opposite of what should happen. Again, where I'm going to get annoyed at city builders for doing this, because, for example, in the Netherlands, it's very often made that the fastest and most direct route is only available to walking, cycling, and public transit. And cars always have to take the longer route around. They do that with modal filters and things like that. And that's how they keep through traffic out of residential neighborhoods and out of pedestrianized area and everything else. So that's like the point. So having cars take the most direct route is the exact opposite of what an actual city would want to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing that I've noticed around that is, for example, like back to the traffic itself, is the way the traffic AI works. It's different than the first game. It's interesting. Like it calculates all these different variables beyond what the first game did. The first game was very frustrating at times. For example, you'd have huge traffic backups, and they'd all be in one lane. Exactly. So what happens now is they all need to take that same exit. Right. They don't back up in one lane. They back up in all the lanes, but at the very end, when let's say there's one off-ramp, it's one lane, you have four lanes of highway. They back up in all four lanes, and then they all want to merge in at the last second. So all the lanes are used, but how do you fix it? You put another lane so that they can go around. Right. And through traffic goes around. So it's just like this constant like, oh, yeah, I just add a lane and it works. Right. And that happens to me so many times when I do get traffic backups. I'm just like trying every solution. Like, I don't want to add more lanes. Like, that part of my life is over. No more lanes. (laughs) Well, you'll bring in lane man for that. Exactly. Exactly. Which that's a whole different discussion. There's some. (laughs) It's very divisive now. Some people like get it and some people are like, I don't ever want to see that shit again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, another thing that, and that's one of the reasons why I thought of this conversation to have with you was your comments on the Paradox Discord, that it shouldn't be that there's traffic and the solution is add another lane. That is something we all know doesn't work. And yet 
that's not in the public consciousness. Most people still think that when you get traffic out another lane, traffic is solved. Yes. So, I mean, these games don't properly model induced demand at all. I'm assuming no. people listening to this podcast know what induced demand is. But the idea is that if you make it easier to drive, like by adding a lane or adding a new freeway or something like that, then more people will drive because they'll say, oh, you know, I can now live over here and it's only 30 minutes to my work or they'll take a trip at a different time. You know, they used to be leaving at 7 a.m. and now they'll leave at 8 because it's faster again. And people restructure their lives around the fact that there is this new infrastructure or a new lane and that causes the lane to be used up. And this has yes. been known since, geez, the 1930s were the earliest ones, but certainly since the 50s and 60s, this has been well known. You add 10% more capacity, you get 10% more traffic, just period. There is no solution to car traffic except viable alternatives to driving. And yeah. these games just don't really do that at all. Yeah, and that's the other thing too. It's like... In like the first city I built, First City Skylines 2, 50% of my population was using public transit and I still had traffic backups and I still had cars just everywhere and I still had to add more lanes. It was right. like, really? Like at some point it's like, I'm just going to accept that because traffic is a part of life. It is realistic to have some traffic. Of course. But it was just funny to see. It was like, I tried so hard to not do that. And for this city of 25,000 people, I had this extensive subway <laughs> system. I had buses everywhere right. and didn't matter. But it reminds me of when you talk to traffic engineers from your local Department of Transportation, and they're always just projecting more and more traffic happening every single year. And I was having a discussion on one of the earlier podcast episodes about this. I believe it was Arlington, Virginia, if I remember correctly, but somewhere near Washington, D.C., where they had done a lot to improve public transit and cycling and walking infrastructure and all this kind of thing. And the Department of Transportation was showing these constant increases in traffic. And then they'd look a year or two in the future and it was going down. And then they were still showing it rocketing up and it continued to go down. And traffic actually continued to go down and down and down while the traffic engineers kept saying, no, 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 it's going to skyrocket. It's going to skyrocket. It's going to skyrocket. It's like because these people have like built their entire world around we build highways to solve traffic. And so here was a city solving traffic the proper way by providing viable alternatives to driving. And the engineers were still saying, no, 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 no. I know it's been going down for five years, six years, seven years. It's going to go up. And it's, it's the same thing when you're in these city simulators. It's like they were designed by that traffic engineer. This is, yeah. I don't know. There's always going to be traffic. There's nothing you can do about it except widen the lanes. The other thing about that too is even like not taking, even just pretending like public transit does not exist. People do not walk. Just pretending like everybody drives. Even just adding lanes is a stupid decision. Yeah. I made a video about it that was kind of like, it was a joke, but it was Lane Man. It was the one with like the I-35 in Austin. How, oh, they want to add lanes. No, my solution is to build a crosstown freeway that's even bigger. <laughs> because <laughs> the thing was, when I looked at Austin, there's like two freeways in the center of town that kind of go north and south, but there's not really like a viable one to like go other places. That's just what Austin needs is more highways. <laughs> yeah, it was just like the joke is like, let's just build another one somewhere else. <laughs> but the thing is like, even without that, like cars are the only option. Even just adding lanes is stupid because the reason those are packed up is because everybody's trying to get to their destination. And that's the only way to get there. Yes. And that was the thing like with a lot of City Skylines players is like, a lot of times your traffic is because you're only giving people 
one area where their jobs are and right. one area where their homes are. And everybody's going that same place. Right. And even if you build a train, everybody's going to take that train. That train's going to be crowded. And it's like, well, that's because your use of land is so stupid. Like, I mean, just in general, in cities in general, not like players. But the use of land is so like, the house has to be here. Yes. The job has yeah. to be on the downtown. And it's like, no, you can do like mix of uses. You can like put a shop next to a home. You could put industry and office next to each other. You could have your industrial zones in different parts of town to accommodate people who live in different parts of town so that their commutes aren't all the same place. Right. Well, I mean, this actually gets into fairly accurately simulating many North American cities where they took this Euclidean zoning to the extreme level where there's the big residential area, there's the big commercial area, there's the big industrial area, yeah. and with almost no mixing whatsoever. So you do have to drive. And I know this is common knowledge to people who are urbanists. But yeah, this is a problem when distances are very far and things are very compartmentalized. The only way to get there is by car and everyone ends up trying to use the same arterial roads and highways. But I mean, I'm very glad to see the CS2 finally has mixed use zoning. But this has been one thing that's been consistent since the original SimCity. It's that residential, commercial, industrial, the RCI zoning has been a cornerstone of all of these games, which, yeah, it's just makes everything traffic. Yep. Yeah, it's frustrating. I do wish that there was better modeling of people actually taking the train, public transit. I don't know, maybe I haven't played the game enough, so you can tell me, but one of the things I noticed in CS2 is that the trams seem to be really slow. Yeah, yeah, they are. They seem slow and outdated. They seem a lot slower than the trams in, well, certainly here in the Netherlands, trams have almost always their own dedicated right-of-way and they have signal priority. So those things run like metros. Like they're never stopping yeah. except to pick up people. Like you're not stopping at a red light in a tram in Amsterdam unless there's another tram coming the other way. And whereas in CS2, I felt like they felt kind of clunky. Yeah, and that's a thing too. I mean, here in, I live in San Francisco Bay Area and San Francisco, a lot of times that Muni train gets stuck in traffic just like yeah. everybody else. Some areas it does have dedicated right of way and it has signals, but some areas it doesn't. And the other thing with that is like, there are kind of ways to simulate that in cities too, but it's hard. You have to like do, right. oh, let's put two one-way roads around it and then a dedicated track in the middle. And like in cities when we had mods where like, there was a mod where you can actually create like transit priority signals. But that aspect of it wasn't talked about much. It was more like, oh, well, you can do time traffic lights. You can control cars, but you could also do the traffic right. signals or the transit priorities as well. Yeah, I feel like transit signal priority is just not well known in general, even by urbanists, I find, which doesn't really surprise me. I used to live in the Bay Area as well, although not right in San Francisco. I was in like Sunnyvale and Milpitas and stuff and San Mateo. But I lived in Toronto for many years, and Toronto does not have signal priority for its streetcars, and they are glacial. <laughs> Even the new expensive LRTs in Toronto aren't going to have signal priority. So I feel like that would just be a wonderful thing to introduce to the game, but I feel like that's so unknown that it's almost like another planet, even for North American urbanists. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting. They've done a little bit of work on that, like with the buses here. I know some of the buses here have signal priority now. Right. So it is a, that people are talking about. And in cities, too, you can make a pretty good bus rapid transit system. They have like specific bus only roads you can make. That's interesting. Where if you put those bus only roads, again, like in the middle of, say, like two one ways or something, you could create a pretty good bus only system. Oh, that's interesting. I should try that. 
there's one other thing I wanted to talk about. And again, I haven't played the game nearly as much as you have. But one of the things I was noticing is that you've mentioned that for the zoning, there's demand for many different levels now. It's not just, you know, residential yeah. and commercial and industrial. It's broken down into different levels. But I've noticed that, like, once you get into the city, your low density residential demand basically never goes down. That is something that a lot of people have struggled with and noticed. And that comes from a couple of things. I think the way I've kind of figured out how to mitigate that is, again, it's kind of tied to education for some reason. Like hmm. the game seems to think that college students and young people are the only people that want to live in medium and high density. So you just blast your city full of universities and colleges and all of a sudden you get all these college students that want to move in and then your low density demands nothing. <laughs> the other thing too is you can just ignore that demand. Like oh, yeah. it's demand. It's not necessarily like your city won't grow if you don't focus on that. There's other like things that you can do to improve the other demands, like improve your well-being and stuff. But still, it's a game. It's like very gamified. Right. It does amaze me that there's things like that cultural assumption that older people and families need to live in single family homes. You can't be raised in an apartment. That's a very North American concept. And I still keep coming back to the fact that Colossal Order, the people who make this game are from Finland. Yeah. I'm like, guys, what are you doing? Like, can we not bring like at least a little bit of European thinking to this game? But I guess, again, it comes down to this whole thing that it's a game. And I don't know who the primary audience is for it, but it may very well be Americans. And they just want to make it a fun game about cities, which, you know, then it comes back to that question, like, who is this for? And it's not really meant to be an educational tool. They'll say it's a game. I'll say it looks like a real city to me. Maybe we could at least bring some real city elements into it. But this is the question. Yeah. I think that the developers themselves have to mitigate lots of different expectations Yeah. because the first game was so many things to so many different types of people and so many different types of things. I have seen people literally just throw out all of the game mechanics entirely. There was this guy on YouTube, I don't remember what his name was, but he built like a space station, <laughs> like a city on a space <laughs> station and like built the outer like core of it and turned the entire map to like black to represent space and then just wow. built inside. Like it was insane what he did. Somebody built a Mars colony. Yeah. People have built like random things that just like you would be like, how did you do this? And then some people literally just play it like it's a game. Mm -hmm. They want to beat the game. And some people like I used to use it, like I said, as like a storytelling or I'd use it right. for satire. Like, a lot of people use it to just, they want to build something that looks like where they're from, where they live. And right. that was the good thing about like the assets and stuff in the first game is you type in the name of a city or a country or a state or whatever, you're going to find at least one building from there right. or something that resembles it enough almost anywhere in the world. Yeah. In a sense, I know you mentioned this one because I watched your video about whether you recommend people get CS2 or not. And we can get to that in a second. Actually, I would like to talk about that. But you were mentioning that you certainly don't envy the developers here because CS1 was a thing. Yeah. Like it was so massive. It had so many mods. It had so many assets that you could download. It had been around for eight years. It had multiple downloadable contents, DLCs added to it as well. And then they have to come out with a new game that they were never going to come anywhere close to that with the initial release. It was just impossible. Yeah, yeah. And I have my feelings about that. I think a lot of people expected something from the second game that did not happen. 
Well, what are your thoughts on that? Because I'd be curious. You've played it a lot. I mean, I did watch your video on this, but even that has been at least a week since you put that out. What are your thoughts on like, do you recommend this game? And if you do, who do you recommend it to? Who maybe should hold off on it? That's a good question. That is a really good question because like I had early access. Yeah, of course. I've actually did a video that's not out yet, but it's going to be on Paradox and City Skylines official account, like showing how to use mechanics. So I've done some oh, cool. work with Paradox. That being said, I can't recommend it to everybody. Like just straight up, like if there's things that you want to do when it comes to, I want to build this XYZ city one-to-one exactly and have it look like this city you're not going to do that in city skylines too unless you want to build boston right because that's what everything looks like it looks like northeast u.s (laughs) even the european stuff it's like it looks like you're gonna build like i don't know providence rhode island (laughs) like just like somewhere in the northeast like that's every single building that's what it gives me it does not give me anywhere else you cannot do Western U.S., you can't do Southern Europe, you can't do Middle East, you can't do Latin America, like Asia, any of that. Hell no, it just doesn't look like it. So if you want to do that, if you want to say, I want to build a one-to-one representation of Hong Kong, you can do that in City Skylines 1. Can't do that in City Skylines 2. But if you want to play a game and you want to do like simulation and you want to like do some management and like you don't care super much about realism, but you want to make something that's kind of pretty, you don't want to do a lot of detail, but you want it to look good. Yeah, City Sue is great. It's great for that. Like, there's certain aspects of it that are stunning. Like, the camera, like, the way you can move the camera, like, how close you can get in, the things you can look at and, like, kind of be immersed in. Amazing. The management, like, getting into, like, the production chain and stuff. Some people have said that it's broken and there's some glitches in it. That'll be fixed, I'm sure. That stuff, sure, that's great. Is it for me? Sort of. Mm. I personally, like, I came from detailing. Like, I came from, like, I didn't pay attention to a lot of the mechanics. I just forced the game to my will and made something look nice. (laughs) Yeah, and I guess, I mean, they had to choose a target to go for for the initial launch of the game. It did surprise me that there's no mod support. There's no bicycles. There's no downloadable assets. Like, there's a lot of stuff missing. And there are some wacky bugs I certainly got the impression that this game was released a little earlier than it should have been, even just in terms of buggy stuff. But I guess pressures to release video games is a thing. So, yeah, yeah, I feel it was released early. There's a lot of things like if you look at the maps, like the edges, like there's rivers that just kind of end. There's snow that goes in a straight line along the mountains and it looks like really (laughs) bad. And it's like that shows me that the game is unfinished. Yeah. And that feels really icky to look at. Like, yeah. And I don't think it's anybody's fault necessarily. I think that the developers did a great job and they did their best. And I think Paradox did their best given like the expectations of the game. I think a lot of people would have been disappointed if it was delayed. Right. Especially because it's a well-known fact that a lot of like us as early access creators were discouraged from talking about performance. However, A lot of people were like, oh, that shows, like, somebody said, like, oh, that just shows you chose greed over being honest. But it was like, oh my God, I saw your video comments about that. I'm like, come on, people. Like, performance wasn't that bad. And that's the thing. Like, when I was playing it as a beta, like, the performance wasn't that bad. It was fine for me. I don't expect 60 frames per second, like, just straight up. I had my first video, it was super buggy. That was a me thing, like, specifically related to the hardware that I was running. Right. After that, that bug was fixed. Every update we got, Performance got way better. 
every yeah. single time. So we were under that expectation that like, yeah, obviously it's a beta and most early access games, most early access creators do not talk about the performance of the game because it's a given that when games are pushed to production, and even I like had to like, I talked to somebody about this privately. I was like, I got early access to City Skylines 2. Like somebody that I personally know that's like not involved in gaming at all, like in the community, but has worked in gaming in the past. I was like, I got early right. access to City Skylines 2. It kind of sucks. <laughs> like I just like felt that. Like my first reaction was like, it kind of sucks. And they were like, well, it's a beta. Like, you know how different games are when they're pushed to production? Like even yeah. in the past, like in the last like six weeks yeah you yeah. don't judge it on the beta and you probably have a build that's way older than what they have right so that aspect it was like yeah and performance like a lot of times i was very transparent too i was like although i can't talk performance i will tell you my experience has been i have not noticed lag and i'm running a mid-range gaming laptop yeah. not anything massive like it's very modest i mean i have a lot of ram but other than that it's not like the best PC in the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, I noticed you were running on Radeon hardware and that was generally slower than its NVIDIA counterparts. I was also yeah. running it on a 6650 XT Radeon. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. There's no point in talking about performance on an early access game. So I am really not a gamer. I am not into gaming, but it is ridiculous because I literally used to work for ATI in the Radeon department. So I actually have a lot of experience with early access games because... I literally worked in the Radeon department for several years. And this is just a thing. I mean, you are rushing to get a game out. You're getting the functionality in there. You're squashing bugs. And performance comes later. It's just the way it is. It shouldn't necessarily be that way. And it sometimes can be painful when you're developing and you leave performance till the end. Because then it's more work than if you had just done it as you were going through. But that's just not the way game development works. A game is going to be poorly performing it's going to get out there. They're going to fix some major showstopper bugs, and then they're going to work on performance. And that's just the way it is. Yes, yes, absolutely. But I was still a little bit concerned about performance because, again, you know, I was using a more mid-range card, but I was concerned. I decided actually in the end to not make a video about it for my audience for a few reasons. I felt like it was not quite polished enough. It didn't have bicycles. And I was worried about the performance because my audience are not gamers. Yes, Exactly. They're very much city enthusiasts. So they're going to be coming at this not to play it as a game. They're going to be coming at it to build a city. Now, whether they want to build a super pretty looking city that just looks just right, or whether they want to just come in and make a city where everybody's on bikes and walking in transit or whatever. I mean, these people are going to be coming in definitely on the non-gamer side of things. And so I thought, you know, at this point in time, I just didn't want to promote the game to my audience. I just thought it's not meant for those people yet. Yeah. It definitely feels like the game was made for gamers. Yeah, I got that impression too. And I'm not necessarily a gamer. Mm -hmm. I am not a gamer in that sense. Like I play like three games and that's it. Like I have <laughs> not been like a hardcore gamer at any point in my life. Like I used to play a lot of like PlayStation when I was a kid, right. but I've been pretty casual as an adult other than playing City Skylines, like to be honest. I've been pretty much exactly the same other than playing Open Transport Tycoon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, in fact, I have taken a break from making content for the past week and a half because I've been sick mm -hmm. and I've finally gotten the experience of playing a game that I'm not making content around for fun. I've been doing Truck Sim. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's nice. been like the most like relaxing experience like for me because the whole early access situation 
it was a lot of stress. Like it was great. Yeah. I mean, I saw it. I saw it and like I wasn't as involved in it because I was in the discord and I had the early access, but I actually injured my right arm. So I was trying to play it with my the mouse with my left hand, which was not working. But, you know, the requirements on the early access were that you needed to do a let's play style. And that just wasn't going to work for my channel. I could have done it. Well, the other thing I have is that I do actually stream City Skylines content sometimes on Twitch and on YouTube on my NJB live channel. I do bicycle live streams usually, but I've started doing a series where my son plays the game and I do the commentary, which has actually been really fun. And oh, we were fun. going to do CS2. Well, we will get around to it eventually, but the early access wasn't letting us do live streams. So I just wasn't doing it. It wasn't appropriate. But I did see the stress in there that it's like they're dropping a build and they're like, OK, now you can put out content on this day. It has to be this length. It has to be this style. And everyone's rushing and rushing and rushing to try to get it out. Yeah, yeah. And the thing with that is, is like, it was good for my channel. Like, not going to lie. Like, those were some of the, like, sort of, like, middle top viewed videos on my YouTube channel. Right. TikTok, they did okay. They did good, mm -hmm. but they weren't, like, but I was one of the few that actually, like, took my actual early access video, condensed it down to, like, five to seven minutes and put it on TikTok. All right. It did, did well, but it was, like, still, like, it wasn't, like, million views like TikTok can do sometimes. But on YouTube, like, for me, like 50,000 views on YouTube, that's pretty good. Like, yeah. I'm not a big channel. Like, I have 20,000 subscribers. Like, I had 12,000 when this started or something like that. Like, the oh, early wow. access started. Yeah, it was insane. I had a few videos that got to that. But, like, yeah, that was good. So, a lot of those did pretty well. It was a good opportunity. But, oh, yeah, I was working my ass off. Like, every single day, like, trying to make a city, trying to learn a game, a game that I didn't necessarily really like that much compared to the first one, like right. to be like honest, but I see some potential in it. Like I see like where they're going. I see like in the future of it, like it could be really good, but also like, I'm not going to like take my first judgment of like, oh, this game, I don't like it because of this and this and this. I learned to like it. I learned to enjoy it and play it. And that was interesting. For what it is, which is, yeah. I think this is one thing I've consistently seen in your content and on other people's content. Even Biffa mentioned this, that you can't really look at CS2 as an improved CS1. It's no. just not. It's its own separate game. It's a different thing. And you can't go into it with too many assumptions about what CS1 was. You kind of have to say, this is its own thing over here and it's different. And you have to like relearn the way it works and everything about it. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, I'm starting to see people, and I'm probably going to do this soon too, go back to doing Cities 1 content right. alongside it. Because they are different games. And yeah. I saw this huge sentiment in the beginning that one day I posted a Cities 1 video. And in between my two early access, I posted a short video on how to build like an interchange or something. And I got comments like, why are you playing Cities 1 when you have Cities 2? Like, mm. why would you do that? Nobody's playing this anymore. They're waiting for Cities 2. And I'm like, and now it's funny. I posted some Cities 2 content to TikTok a couple of days ago and I got all these comments. Are you not going to do Cities 1 anymore? Please do Cities 1. I can't afford to buy this yet. I want to, I want to, I'm like. Well, it's not available on console yet either, right? No. Like that's still no. a long ways out. Yeah. And I'm like, thank you. I really want to do Cities 1 content because right. that's like my favorite thing of all time when it comes to games. Like I'm like, yeah, that is the game. Cities 2 is kind of like, yeah, it's good. It's fun. But like, I don't want that to just be like the only thing that I'm able to do on yeah, my channel. Sure. It would feel like work. <laughs> 
So, I mean, that's City Skylines too. I know we could talk about this forever, but I do want to try to wrap this up. Maybe we'll have to come back and have this conversation again after a couple of DLCs and we've got some bicycles and the mods yep. are available and everything else. And we can talk about whether CS2 can fill that hole made by CS1 or if it can fit the same kind of use case or not. That's the thing. With Cities 1, some of the joy of it was like going into the Steam Workshop and digging through eight years worth of assets to find that yeah. building that like nobody else used. That you could <laughs> yeah. use that somebody put on there eight years ago that they either lived in or really liked this one particular city and they built right. a building in it. And you're like, that, I want that. And that yeah. was like something that just like everybody's build looked different because of that. And then this, it's like, I hate to say, but everything looks the same. I have noticed that when I look at people's cities, they all look pretty samey-samey. It's very noticeable. Yeah, and it's hard. And like, it's not any shade to like creators because everybody's doing a good job with what they've got. But like, yeah. I know that like my focus has just been like, I'm going to make well-edited videos, right. at least. So, I mean, yeah, City Skylines too. If you're a gamer, it's probably a pretty good buy. If you want to craft your own perfect or ideal city or maybe hold off for now or maybe pick up CS1 and use that eight years of assets and mods and everything else, which just turns it into so much more than a video game. Yeah. So any last words before we go? Certainly, if you're listening to this, you should check out Diana's channel, Cities by Diana, on YouTube. I think I'm good. I think that's it for me. It's been great to be here and kind of talk to you for this past hour, however long we've been going. Yeah. No, it's great. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And you're welcome to come back again sometime. And I'm sure there'll be lots to talk about. Yeah, I'd love to. So thanks for coming by. Yeah. Thank you. I'll talk to you next time. That's all we have on the agenda for today. I hope you enjoyed listening to it almost as much as we enjoyed making it. I really enjoy talking to other content creators about what they find interesting. And a lot of the people I have on this podcast, I met since joining Nebula. Nebula is the subscription streaming service created by and for educational content creators and the people who love their content. Nebula has all sorts of educational content from videos to podcasts to classes by your favorite creators, as well as Nebula Originals, which are high budget productions. Honestly, Nebula is such a great platform and I'm so happy for my content to be available there. If you use our special link, which is nebula.tv slash agenda, you'll get a discount off an annual membership, which comes to only $30 a year, which I think is a fantastic deal. So check out Nebula at nebula.tv slash agenda and see if there's something of interest to you. At the very least, you'll be able to hear every episode of The Urbanist Agenda a little bit earlier than everyone else so you can get the inside scoop on what we're plotting and scheming. Thanks again for listening and maybe next time you'll be listening on Nebula.